0: Okay, well it's good to be here, let's get going. Throughout the 1990s and 2000s at various points there was an expression of views, generally in the letter pages of the Baptist Times, by Baptists on the subject of homosexuality. Occasionally it was addressed by the Council of the Baptist Union of Great Britain, and this short paper wants to track some of that conversation and how the Baptist Union sought to hold those conversations in ways that both made space and avoided public fallout. At the March 1987 Baptist Union Council a working group was set up to issue a statement on AIDS and provide guidelines for Christian education on sexuality The discussion at that council demonstrated there was a range of opinion but voted overwhelmingly an interim statement that asserted homosexual relations to be outside the will of God the working group presented their report, AIDS, a Christian Perspective, in the November of the same year. The report stated that AIDS was not God's judgement, at the same time arguing for chastity outside of marriage as a radical and effective way of combating the spread of AIDS. The report argued that we all fall short of perfection and we should be on our guard against isolating sexual transgression from failure to live up to all the other ideals set before by the life of Jesus. The report put forward that the Christian response to AIDS should be one of compassionate ministry and one way to that was to work with the URC in offering a specialist AIDS help service. The report argued for a view of homosexuality that distinguished between orientation and behaviour and that homosexual genital acts are contrary to the will of God and the natural order of creation. This view was shared by all the working group apart from one person. The report adds that there have been countless instances throughout history of the value of the bonds of affection and fidelity which characterise same-sex relationships. They didn't use the language of same-sex at that point, but that's what they're talking about. But they were different from heterosexual relationships because they lacked the complementarity inherent in the relationships between the sexes. In, 1990, in 1988, the infamous guideline was introduced by the Ministry Main Committee to assert the ministerial recognition to assist the minister- Ministerial Recognition Committee, which had recommended it. The new guideline was it as follows, <coughs> repeat after me everyone, uh, homosexual orientation, whether male or female, is not itself a reason for exclusion from ministry, but homosexual genital practice is to be regarded as unacceptable. Ministers are expected not to advocate homosexual or lesbian genital relationships as acceptable alternatives to male-female partnership and marriage. Guidelines relating to the serious sexual misconduct had been introduced in 1981 and this was now supplemented by this new guideline related to homosexuality. What is not clear is why the MR committee made the recommendation, but what might be inferred is that a particular case had arisen to which it felt there was a need for now clear guidance. The council minutes indicate there was a discussion, but there is no record of what was said. The guidelines were sent to all ministers but were not published anywhere and there was no report in the Baptist Times relating to it. This guideline remained until 2014, at which point the second sentence around advocacy was removed. A debate within the letter pages of the Baptist Times appeared several times in the mid-1990s. This was rarely edifying. First, in 1995, in response to the Church of England Something to Celebrate report, And then at the end of 1966 into 1997, originating this time from responses to the lesbian and gay Christian movement's 20th anniversary celebration at Southwark Cathedral in November 1996. In 1996, Keith Riglin, a Baptist minister, although he's now a Church of England priest, uh, wrote an article for the Baptist Minister's Journal offering a Christian view on homosexuality. It was was an affirming view which argued the case against being affirming was not a nine-clad case for condemnation. Riglin saw it as unfortunate that Baptists seemed unwilling to hold a debate like the URC and the Methodists and the restrictions placed on Baptist ministers by the MR rules and argued the liberty of those who were affirming. A response by Robin Giles to the Riglin article appeared in the next edition contending that Riglin's argument was flawed with regard to statistics it made no attempt to engage Riggling's biblical case. I highlight this exchange because it's, it is the only two articles on homosexuality in the Baptist minister's journal History until another exchange appeared in the July two, four, 2014 edition. Baptists have been reticent to discuss this issue of homosexuality in print. In 1997, the debate... No, we're not there. In 1997, the debate continued in response to the URC decision to open the door to practicing homosexuals as ministers. And at the same time, the Church of England Synod agreeing to the Bishop's report, Issues in Human Sexuality from 1991, to be commended for discussion in just dioceses and parishes. At this time, the General Secretary, David Coffey, saw that the debate going on in other denominations might compel Baptists to have a similar debate. He said, we recognise the responsibility the union has to offer guidance at a time when this is a very important topic for the Christian church. In the background of this was an attempt to issue a public resolution at the Baptist Assembly in April 1997 that would give a clear, non-affirming stance. This has been an amendment to a public resolution written by the Regent Park College Preaching Society and agreed by council to offering care to those with HIV or AIDS and to raising awareness. This amendment was eventually withdrawn, but between 1998 and 2001, the same minister each year put forward a proposed public resolution. The response of the union was to set up in 1998 a human sexuality working group chaired by Brian Haynes. The group presented their report, called called Making Moral Choices, to council in March 2000. This was study material on sex and God, singleness, marriage, cohabitation, divorce and homosexuality. In the introduction, they stated it was not a theological treatise or a sociological report, and neither, neither does it present an official Baptist union or Great Britain policy on human sexuality. It was designed to help churches have conversations about the issues. The report began with an opening chapter on how we make moral choices, and emphasised the Baptist distinctives found in the first clause of the Declaration of Principle, and claimed this, this was a good place to begin because it set out fundamental Baptist convictions, which are, the sole and absolute authority of Jesus Christ, the importance of the Bible, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and the importance of the church acting together. Alongside this, it was also argued that it was important we listen to other Christians, both from the past and the present, and to those who have an insider's feel for the moral problem we face. In the council discussion that followed, the report's presentation, uh, there were once again a range of views presented. But one contributor said... That affirmation lay with the local church, which must be helped to a conclusion directed by the Holy Spirit. The council made two changes to the report. First was to delete one sentence which said, in its history the church has varied in its, in its acceptance of homosexual people and practice, but has in the main condemned homosexual practice as sinful. This was felt not to be a strong and clear enough statement of the traditional teaching of the church, and it was replaced with, the traditional understanding of the church is that same-sex acts fall outside the boundaries of acceptable practice. Sadly, this teaching has not always been accompanied by partial sensitivity. The second change was to include the section in the ministerial rules that related to human sexuality and conduct unbecoming as a statement of the Baptist Union's position. The report was launched at the Baptist Assembly, and David Coffey would report in March 2001 that it did not sell well and feedback from the seminar where it was launched had been invited but not received. In the same year but after the assembly later, in 2000, the Network for baptist Affirming Lesbian and Gay Christians was launched. It was a group of about 20 and the context was a letter to the Baptist Times from a young Baptist a few years before who had come out to a friend in church and found rejection and isolation. David Trafford, a Baptist minister who had been part of the letter exchanges in the 90s, Uh, wrote an open letter inviting others who were willing to minister uh, to lesbian and gay people to contact him. And out of this, the network was started. In 2000... I'm going again. No. Uh, In 2001, there was still a push by one Baptist minister for that public resolution on homosexuality. It had been declined each year. And at the 2001 Baptist Assembly, there was instead an open debate led by Elaine Storkey, who was one of the speakers that year. David Coffey reflected again that it had not been universally appreciated, but the attempt to listen to one another in a non-adversarial climate was largely welcomed. At the November Council meeting, there was a more substantive debate uh, was held, introduced by David Coffey, followed by an opportunity for Council members to study the Bible together in small groups, and then an open debate. Coffee's introduction set the, in con- set the conversation in council in context and described various meetings that had been held with the Black and Asian Pastors Forum, the Network of Baptists Affirming Lesbian and Gay Christians and the Younger Leaders Forum. He also referenced a paper that Nigel Wright had written and had been available to council members from that July. Wright's paper argued that the council was the best place for any reflection on the issue And that it was desirable for the council to be enabled to make a number of gentle affirmations around the topic. These affirmations would be descriptive as well as prescriptive. (laughs) And having made these suggestions, Wright then, following James Nelson, identified four consistent Christian responses to homosexuality. Which he labelled the rejecting punitive position, the rejecting non-punitive position, qualified acceptance and full acceptance. It was Wright's view that while both, one, the rejecting punitive position, and four, full acceptance, were present in Baptist churches, the majority of people would reflect position two, the rejecting non-punitive position, with some oscillation to three, uh, qualified acceptance, for practical, pastoral, and civil involvement reasons. Wright believed that the interaction between two and three provided a fruitful way forward in ongoing reflection. And any move towards three will require some change to the MR guidelines, but Wright recognised that to do would be highly contentious. Coffee proposed that the Council agreed not to put forward any public resolutions on the issue, and instead explored setting up an education process. The Council debate was once again reflective of a range of views, but a resolution of Council was passed that stated... The Council affirms the importance of discussing, deliberating and reflecting together at all levels of the Union on issues of human sexuality. They do not regard public resolutions, voting and parliamentary-style debates as appropriate methods for addressing these issues. Following the Council, a new human sexuality working group was set up to provide an education tool for churches and this group will report in 2005. Uh, Um, In 2003, Geoffrey John was nominated to become the next Bishop of Reading. John is a gay Christian Anglican priest. And when asked for their views by the Baptist Times, perhaps a little bit cheekily, uh, nine regional minister team leaders expressed serious reservations and all supported the position in the BU ministerial recognition rules. Jonathan Edwards said, I'm delighted that our ministerial recognition (coughs) rules make our position as Baptists abundantly clear on the issue of homosexuality. Malcolm Goodspeed, then Head of Ministry, also made clear that any minister who did publicly express that same-sex relationships are in any way equivalent to Christian marriage would be asked to resign from the accredited list. Following this, ten senior Baptist leaders wrote an open letter asking the Baptist Union to change or suspend the guidelines in the MR rules that restricted speech, arguing that it affects the openness of any debate on the subject of homosexuality. Michael Docker, one of the signatories, said the aim was not to see lesbian and gay relationships receive the same status as marriage in ch- Baptist churches, merely to allow the debate on the subject to be freely aired. In response, Myra Blythe, then Deputy General Secretary, said the aim of the guidelines was not to gag people. An exchange of letters followed in the Baptist Times from, Ar- from August through to December. In 2005, the Human Sexuality Working Group reported, the process the group presented was focused on education and informing church members to make decisions. They argued that the distinctive location of these decisions should begin and end with the local church meeting. They decided not to produce a book so as to avoid the material becoming mistaken for the union's policy on same-sex relationships. The education process included engagement with scripture, the contribution of science, a contribution from theology, and a set of pastoral case studies with the aim at the end of the process for those who attended to be asked, do I understand why others see things differently? Has my understanding changed? And what one thing will I take away from the day? The education process was agreed at the council in November 2005, and Council rem- and, and Coffey remarked that our independence as Baptist churches meant that there would be invel- inevitably be standards and decisions which a church might adopt which would be unacceptable to others. From 2007 onwards, the education process was offered to churches by the associations. The next time the issue was, significantly, was raised significantly was in response to the Civil Partnerships Act, uh, which had come into force in 2005. It was not discussed at council until, until 2009, although it had been the subject of a seminar a sem- a s- at the fa- assembly, a seminar at the 2006 Assembly led by Nigel Wright again. Wright argued that civil partnerships be, um, between same-sex couples should be accepted by Christians in light of the kind of society in which we find ourselves. But this does not mean that Christians should affirm same-sex relationships. This was Wright's free church, free state argument. In 2009, the Ministry Department brought a paper to council to look for affirmation from council concerning the guidance it seeks to give. The paper recognised the freedom churches had regarding the issue, Uh, but this was not so for ministers who were required to comply with MR rules. Following the MR rules, the report stated it would not be appropriate for the union to devise services of blessing for civil partnerships. Its advice was that ministers should not participate formally in services of blessing, outside of those circumstances circumstances where there was a family member or close friend entering into such a partnership. This extended to ministers being expected not to enter into civil partnership themselves, although exceptional cases could be made where the civil partnership was clearly not sexual. The debate within council once again expressed a range of views. At the end, a straw poll was taken which supported the ministry department and executives' position. It affirmed also a commitment to the educational process and recognising the diversity of voices within our union of churches and as such, too, continued to engage in a journey to seek the mind of Christ in mutual respect and fellowship. In 2011, there was a discussion at Council uh, over whether the network of Baptists affirming gay and lesbian relationships could be included in the Baptist Union directory, in the section listing Baptist organisations. This was a discussion over whether the network uh, could have a stall at the Assembly. The Faith and Unity executive proposed that the language of Baptist organisations be changed to Baptists organising themselves reflecting that the organisations and group listed did not necessarily have union approval and therefore give space for the network to be listed. It also proposed that they commit to working with the network to make its purposes clearly known and recognising, uh, so enabling its ministry and care and support to be available in the Baptist Union of Great Britain and that this to be done sensitively, carefully and prayerfully. The Council decided not to support the inclusion of the network in the Directory but did support the Faith and Unity's second proposal. The subject of same-sex relationships came back onto the agenda in January 2013 and I'm going to stop trying to play with this for a moment when Steve Chalk, a public Christian leader and an accredited Baptist minister came out in favour of same-sex relationships and declared he had taken part in the blessing of a civil partnership. This hit the mainstream news and the Baptist Union had to respond. At the March Council that year a joint proposal from the transitional steering group We Love Our Names through the Ministry Executive and Faith and Society team asked... Does the Council wish to review its guidance on civil partnerships? It acknowledged that the publicity around Steve Chalk's announcement meant it was inconceivable to ignore talking about it. It also stated that it recognised the tensions at the current guidance and the wishes of a local church meeting where the minister served. The other pressing issue was the likelihood that marriage would be extended to same sex couples. In the April edition of Transform, then the then head of ministry welcomed the debate and that ministers were free to discuss same sex relationships without fear of sanction. The 2013 assembly held at the beginning of May, made space in the Monday plenary session to a discussion of same-sex relationships. This included a scripted conversation opening up the issues, the story of one regional minister who who has a gay son and small group discussion which then allowed a range of voices to be fed back. The aim was to listen and to talk and to open up a continuing conversation. One contributor to that continuing conversation was once again Nigel Wright who wrote a paper published on the Fresh Stream's website. Wright offers an argument for why it might be appropriate to support and bless same-sex relationships before stating, I am not persuaded by my own conscience would permit me to bless a same-sex relationship in anything other than very restricted circumstances. The rest of the paper gives his reasons why from scripture and a theology of marriage. He argues that as a minister he is not mandated or authorised as a Christian minister to bless what God has not blessed. He leaves space that a civil partnership represents a responsible and achievable course of action and concludes that others might judge and act differently in accordance with their conscience. At the assembly the following year, 2014, the National Baptist Steering Group, another great name, issued a statement which sought to summarise the conversations that had been taking place up to that point. It said... As a union of churches and covenant together, we will respect the differences on this issue, which both enrich us and potentially could divide us as we seek to live in fellowship under the direction of our declaration of principle. And then it quotes the the first clause. Upholding the liberty of a local church to determine its own mind on this matter, in accordance with our declaration of principle, we also recognise the freedom of a minister to respond to the wishes of their church where their conscience permits without breach of disciplinary guidelines. We affirm the traditionally accepted biblical understanding of a Christian marriage as a union between a man and a woman, as a continuing foundation of belief in our Baptist churches. A Baptist minister is required to live and work within the guidelines adopted by the Baptist Union regarding sexuality and the ministry that included a sexual relationship outside a Christian marriage is deemed conduct unbecoming for a minister. This statement put the Declaration of Principle front and centre and, and gave permission for the first time for accredited ministers to participate in services of marriage or blessing where the church meeting agreed and conscience permitted. Not well publicised at that time, the MR rule prohibiting ministers from advocating same-sex relationships of equivalent to marriage was also removed. Two years later, 2016, the council made a further statement following a time of intense prayer, careful listening and uh, respectful discussion, which affirmed the Union's historic biblical understanding of marriage, affirmed the liberty of the local church, the importance of mission, and then issued a call to walk together in unity. It was this final section on walking together in unity that was perhaps most important. It said, and some of you are going to remember this, reflecting on the issue of churches registering their buildings for same-sex marriage, council recognizes areas of genuine and deep disagreement. We believe that these are dimensions of tension living with of living with unity and diversity. We continue to seek God's grace as we walk together and watch over one another, under the authority of Christ. In light of this, recognising the costs involved, and after careful and prayerful reflection and listening, we humbly urge churches who are considering conducting same-sex marriages to refrain from doing so out of mutual respect. At the same time, we also humbly urge all churches to remain committed to our union out of mutual respect, trusting that the one who unites us is stronger than what divides us. Here it sought to ask local churches who were considering registering their buildings to refrain from doing so out of mutual respect, that is for the sake of unity. This is followed by an acknowledgement that some churches would go ahead and register their buildings and so asked other churches to remain committed to the union. An accompanying letter from the General Secretary said that the statement reflected the council coming to a settled place. In January 2017, a small group of Baptist ministers, which included myself, issued their own statement which they called the Courage to be Baptist. This sought to provide an account of Baptist ecclesiology and call Baptists to a continuing conversation that sought not to reach unity by imposing uniformity or by choosing to give up on our associational structures and become independents. In addition to this statement, Stephen Holmes, one of its other authors, has published three articles seeking to offer a theological exploration of human sexuality, which holds to the traditional line but makes some space for the possibility of some kind of pastoral accommodation. What I'll try to do in this brief paper is tell a history that is not well known. What I think we discover is that there has been some wisdom in how Baptists have handled this conversation. Making space, encouraging study and listening, avoiding public resolutions. This is not to suggest we have reached a settled place and there are those both affirming and non-affirming for whom where the current place is deeply unsettling and of course for those Baptist Christians who are gay and lesbian I do not suggest that this has been anything but painful and remains so. It is my reading that Baptists have moved on the issue of how to respond to same-sex relationships um, to one that wants to be more welcoming. And this has generally been on pastoral grounds and that we know more. But what I mean by we know more, we know more stories of gay Christians. We know more gay persons in our lives. We know more that there are different ways of reading scripture. For some this has been and is a move too far. For others this has been and is a move not far enough. It is also clear that the debate has moved from simply being one focused on what the Bible says to one focused on Baptist ecclesiology and the freedom that the Declaration of Principle, the basis of the Baptist Union, provides churches. This is where more work needs to be done, beyond the scope of this paper, and where I hope and pray we continue to have the courage to be Baptist, walking together despite deep disagreements, seeking the wisdom of Christ and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen.